Welcome to Costly Conversations. I'm super excited to be on the line with Sher Michael Singleton. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on, on your show. I know we've been trying to make this happen for a couple of weeks now, but finally, finally, we made it happen. We're making it happen. Hey, man, you're a busy man, and that's, that's just a testament to uh, kind of where you are and where you're going and why it's important for people to take a second and listen to what you have to say because I think you can speak directly into whatever it is they're doing, especially in this space where a lot of my listeners um, are interested in the Second Amendment, but a lot of my listeners are also interested in helping their their families to get to be better mm-hmm. and also to impact their communities via their families and then hopefully their country. And I think you do a couple things that can uh, really help people to kind of get there. So let's just start out with like, who is Sher Michael and why do we need to kind of pay attention for just a second? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why people should pay attention. I mean, I guess people pay attention if they want to. Yes, but clearly, I've been doing something right that has made people want to pay attention, um, whether it's with guns out or definitely in in the media space and political world. And I was really, really into that. Um, but, you know, not to go all the way into my history of where I'm from and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I've had a career in politics for quite some time, slowly transitioned out of that being a strategist with some very, very prominent Um, political individuals, presidential candidates, governors, senators, major think tanks, um, to focusing primarily on media, almost exclusively still sort of keeping, you know, that that door open into politics because relationships in in D.C. is everything. Um, It's always about who you know in in this town more than any probably other town that I've ever been in from New York to L.A. I mean, there are variants of it, but here it, it is like number one. Uh, so spent a lot of time in, in media for the past four and a half, five years now, and now doing Guns Out for about a year and a month. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been interesting trying to balance that with my regular media schedule, which is actually about to increase significantly this year uh, because of midterms. So it, it's been an interesting journey for me going from politics to media to doing a digital sort of gun firearm show which is definitely something that people don't typically do with my background. I mean, usually people go to K Street, which is where all the lobbying firms are, or they'll go to New York and work for a major uh, financial investment firm, or they'll go work work for like another strategic think tank or a consulting firm. And and I've done a little bit of that here and there. Um, But I was like, you know what? Why not do something that's fun and enjoyable and it takes me away from the seriousness of politics? And who in the hell doesn't want to be able to get away from something that's stressful? Even if they do love it, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so that is sort of what Guns Out has sort of become for me. It's like like that way to relieve all the stress and craziness and angst that comes from my actual everyday career. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's actually something that I've wanted to talk to you a little bit about is like, where mm-hmm. do you see yourself in this in this kind of gun career is is this a hobby for you or is this something that you do take seriously to the point where you say hey let me invest more and more time i know you said your 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 day job is increasing yeah no i mean it it definitely is something i take serious i don't believe in wasting my time on things i don't think that i can grow i mean time for me is everything dude i mean like everything and time is also money and so I'm looking at things like, okay, if I'm going to do something, it has to be one worth my time. It has to be worth my potential financial time as well, right? Because it's like, could I, I could be doing other things that are making me a whole lot of money. Uh, and so if I'm going to invest my time in a certain thing, a new thing, uh, how can I expand this new thing to, to be a significant part 
of all the other things that I have going on. And, and I think, you know, thinking about guns out and thinking about the country as a whole right now and seeing this increase in new gun owners, particularly people in our community, it, it's really important, man. I think it's important that Black people have a litany and a diverse group of Black people creating content uh, so that we can see ourselves. I mean, you have folks who are more of the hip hop crowd. You have some folks who are more of the tactical military crowd, self-defense crowd. And you don't have a lot of folks that specifically focus on the entertainment aspect of the 2A community that are Black. And so for me, it, it's, it's more than creating good content, having a lot of fun, educating people. It's really for me about representing our community in a way where other Black people can know it is okay uh, to utilize a gun outside of a defensive scenario, meaning you can go and have a lot of fun and do really cool training scenarios with other Black people, and it is okay to see ourselves in, in that light. And so I, I wouldn't even know if I would call it um, a career, a new career embarkment, if you will, but I would probably definitely say it's a passion project. And the passion is because it's always been important for me and everything I've ever done in my career, in part because I'm usually the first at a lot of stuff that I've done, particularly on the political side, to really represent excellence as it pertains to us. And you got to have passion to do that because a lot of times it is a difficult process. It's a tedious process to get to the point where whatever you're doing actually turns into something where people are giving it the necessary credibility and respect that you ultimately hope said thing becomes. Uh, and so that's that's sort of the way I see what I'm doing with Guns Out is, is really showcasing us, as I think you probably do and as other Black people do in this space, uh, with excellence in the right light to say that when you think of Black people with guns, we're more than criminals, we're more than victims of police brutality. Uh, we can ascertain a skill set, be knowledgeable, and actually put really great content together for our community, but also generally speaking for anybody else who in, decides to indulge themselves in it. Okay, now that's, I think that's super important and I'm glad you laid that out there so so neatly. I wanted to ask you in, in, in practical terms, because people talk a lot in, in the mm -hmm. fanciful of, oh, we should do these mm -hmm. things and you know, the, the political speak. And I, I do think you laid sure. it out pretty clearly in regards to providing quality entertainment that's at a high level that you can respect content that you would enjoy is are there any other practical yeah. ways that you feel like you are in a sense representing your your community well and also creating something that they can be proud of or is that is that even something that you think about too often I mean talk about that I think about it all the time I mean again from politics to when I'm on national television and my grandfather used to say Whatever you're doing, you don't just represent yourself. You don't just represent this family. You represent our whole community because more often than not, there just aren't a lot of people that look like us in many of the rooms and circles and spaces that I'm in. It's just a reality. And I'm always thinking about that because I have no idea who's watching me and making an opinion about our whole community. Yeah. Uh, literally, people, a lot of people make those types of assumptions about mm -hmm. people. And then they'll meet someone and they'll say, well, hmm, I guess maybe what I thought about them as a group was completely wrong. Um, or you don't know what people who are younger in our community who may say, I want to do this, but I don't know if I can uh, because I've never really seen enough people like us do it. So, so that's, that is important to me, man. That's something that I don't take lightly. I don't take it for granted. And that's not to say that, that it, like race is a center part of my life. It's not. Uh, but it is to say that I'm very cognizant of the fact that I do represent a group of people. I'm a representative of a group of people who aren't typically in the circles and spaces that I'm that I'm in. And I would be lying to say that that 
that I don't recognize that or that, I, or that I'm somehow naive of that. Um, and so in knowing that, again, whether it's from guns out or from the media stuff or, for, or from the political stuff, being the best or close to the best at everything has always been like incredibly important to me. Being a perfectionist and everything has been almost incredibly important to me because to, to me, you don't have the room uh, for failure and for mistakes. And, and that's just how I am with, with, with everything. That's why I'm so serious about everything. Again, if I'm going to do something, I'm not giving it 80%. I'm not giving it 99%. I'm giving it 150% because, again, that's the expectation that I, I must lay for myself because, again, I don't know who's watching me, who may be looking up to me, who may want to do the same thing. I don't know what roads I'm paving for somebody else. And that's a that, that's that's a significant responsibility that a lot of people don't have it. And this isn't black. This is this isn't white. This is people in general. People are usually very selfish about what they're doing. And they're only thinking, well, if I'm doing something, this is for my own personal gain, right? Or my own personal benefit or my own personal elevation. And yeah, you know, you want to make money. You you want to increase your notoriety and all of that shit's important. I understand that. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing something to create a pathway for other people to make it easier for them or to teach them that this is a better way to do things. What the hell is the point in living life? I mean, seriously, what's the point in living if it's all about you, if it's all about your dreams, all about your goals, all about how much money you want to make? I'm not interested in living a life like that, dude. That's a purpose. That's a, that's a life without purpose. Mm. I'm not interested in that. Life is too short to live a life without purpose. That's only about one singular individual. So I hope that answers that question. No, that, that answers it extremely well. And I'm glad I asked it because I think people will look at the show and they'll say, oh my gosh, it's clean, it's polished. Oh, they, they've got the money from GOA. They've got backing from Warrior Poet Society. And for a moment, if they mm -hmm. don't look twice, they might miss the real, I suppose, the, the, uh, the ethos of it all, if I'm using the right term. Well, uh, dude, but that, that stuff, you know, and I know people those things weren't given mm -hmm. right like 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 we worked for those things and that's the mm -hmm. thing that that's why i said hard work is so critically important we worked Absolutely. for those things we made now granted you know some things especially the goa side the political side that comes from my background those relationships i mean but you work uh, but, but that goes to tell you you put in you put in work yeah. in a certain arena and it creates contacts to open up doors and other things that are maybe secondary or third or fourth removed from the main thing and the Warrior Report Society thing had happened because they saw our content and people were saying, oh, wow, look at these guys. Again, you put you, if you when you work hard, man, people can't help but notice. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe for some people, it'll take longer than, than, than for others. Everybody sort of has their meteoric rise at different points. And we haven't even had ours yet, but I think we're headed there. Um, but for us, it, it's about putting in the hard work, working hard being diligent about what we're doing, having fun. You got to have fun. Life is too short. You got to have fun. But you do have to put in the work. You do have to lay the, the, the roadblocks, if you will, or the foundation to build upon. And that's the part that's hard. That's not easy. That's the part that most people just don't want to do because everybody wants all the followers and all the flashy this and flashy that. And again, I get it. God knows I definitely get it. But you got to understand, if you want to sustain that, mm -hmm. You got to put in the damn work, man. Nobody's going to give you anything. No one's going to just give it to you and say, here, here it is on a silver platter. And I don't even know if I would want anybody to give me anything because that way I can say I earned all this shit on my own. No one gave me this. No one gave me a handout. 
it's because of my own work, it's because of my character, it's because of the way that we treat people, or it's because of the work I've put in in another arena that gave access in this new arena. Absolutely. So I'm I'm curious. So let's let's take it to your show that's on Warrior Poet Society. Uh, we'll do a sure. plug for that. It's a great show. I'm really enjoying it. I'm on episode. Is it three? Where Thanks, you guys man. Go down to Texas or come come to where I am Dude. in Texas. We put in so much work. <laughs> like we put in a lot of work in general for YouTube. Um, John is really particular in his own way. I'm even more particular because media is my background. So for me, it's like, if we're gonna do something in front of a camera, it has to be really, really great. Mm -hmm. And we put in a lot of work, man, to, to make those episodes that are on the network so far, like television great episodes. Absolutely. Cable great episodes. And it's not easy and it's not cheap either. Oh, absolutely. It's probably one of the the nicest looking documentaries. I, I know I saw some behind the scenes stuff. You guys are using like, you know, tens mm -hmm. of thousands of dollars worth of gear and equipment, you know, probably, bro. I, I don't want to get into the exact numbers because I know I'm going to kind of probably pass out from from a shock. But honestly, you guys really went big for this. And I, I really hope people do jump over there just for a second and watch it um and figure out kind of who you guys really are i know just yeah. to, not to spoil things but there was a time in your guns out journey as as you were starting the youtube channel or not even not even there yet you said hey let's let's start the youtube channel okay let's transition it to television and you had some connections in the tv world and then bad things happened and you guys couldn't be on television anymore yeah yeah i mean originally so we when we started thinking about guns out we did maybe one or two videos on youtube and it really just was just to just put them up to just see if anyone would even notice and at the time i was getting ready to co-anchor a show a political a, a global show but specifically tailored for the dc uh, maryland virginia market i didn't want to do the show because i didn't like my co-host and i'm really picky about who i do television with because it's something that i do mm -hmm. and i was like you know what I don't want to. I don't want to do this show with this particular person. They said, "Okay, fine. Then, then we'll cancel the show. We'll find something else to fill the void." And I said, "Well, wait a minute. I'm doing this guns out thing. This could be interesting, especially with so many black people now getting into guns." Yeah. And so, like any major media company, they're going to look at the numbers. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, there's a, there's clearly a market for this type of content coming from two black people for this whole new market of black people who are getting into this. Let's definitely put it on air." Then January 6th happened and, you know, politics and business, those things, man, when they intertwine, it can be a mess. And so it ultimately became the decision of that broadcast company, which is one of the largest, the second largest in the country. Now they were number one, just got replaced by, I think, Tribune or Next Star. I think it's not number one, they're number two. But anyway, they made the decision, new administration, we got to deal with FCC. The last thing we need after the January 6th stuff and all and everything that came from that the last thing that they wanted was political retribution or financial retribution. And so we weren't happy about it, but, you know, understanding politics, understanding business, you know, at the end of the day, a company that's a publicly traded company that's worth billions of dollars, they have to make decisions that are going to be in the best interest of their stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And that means not doing stupid stuff that could potentially cause you legal jeopardy or a lot of money. And so they made the decision like, look, guys, we, we like it, but this is just not going to work. Not right now. Right. Um, and so we said, OK, well, we understand. I wasn't very happy about it, but it was like, OK, well, what do we do? Are we just going to stop this or do we keep going? We talked about it. It was like, you know what? Let, let's keep going. Let's try to figure out 
a different path to making this thing successful. And let's just go digital. At least with digital, we are, we're reaching even more people uh, potentially uh, than our market. But I'm not going to lie. Television is television, man. I, I don't care what you say. When you're in the fifth largest market in the country, which is a D.C., Maryland, Virginia market, the fifth largest, you're reaching millions of people, a lot of very influential people because of where we are, a lot of very wealthy people because of where we are. And so when you're talking about partnering with companies that are trying to get new sponsors and they're like, oh, wait a minute, you're on television where? Oh, how much money do you need? Here's a check. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like TV brings that gravitas that digital just doesn't bring. I don't care how many followers you right. have. TV, TV, man. Uh, and so that was a bit disappointing because that definitely made some things a little more challenging for us. But man, you know what? You, you get challenging things in life and you got to figure out a way if you can crawl, run, climb over, whatever you have to do, you do what you got to do to make what you want a success. And that's what we ultimately decided to do. Let's keep pressing forward. And it hasn't been bad. I mean, digital has been pretty, pretty good to us. I mean, one year in, we're almost at 20K followers and growing. Uh, we're on Warrior Poet Society Network. That's growing. We may have some TV stuff coming back, maybe uh, exploring that option. So, dude, you know, we're, we're blessed, man. God's been really, really good to us. Excellent. So I know you said you were you were disappointed when that happened. Can you walk me through the, the raw emotions of that? I understand, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing, <laughs> but I do I do want to just hear because you're a very, you know, button up guy, handsome dude. And, you know, what does what did that feel like? Did that feel like a personal failure? Or oh, I mean, bro, I like mean, it was I was I, I was probably more pissed than John was because it's my industry. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I know how the industry works and I know how the industry is very driven by numbers and, and ratings and how successful can something be in regards to bringing in new money. And so from my perspective, I'm looking at the metrics. Right. I'm like, there, there is clearly an audience from this. And, and, and we started to see that there was an interest in the show based on some of the early numbers that we were getting from the show. Mm-hmm. And our show was airing on Sundays right before the football game. So it was we, so we had a very freaking good time slot because usually people get ready for the game, people are coming over. They're, they're usually already on the channel that right. the games are coming on. Mm-hmm. So there's see our show. I'm like, wait a minute. The hell is this two black guys with guns what is this about let me check this out right. and we were getting the emails bro and again you looked at the numbers the numbers are great and so for me it was I, I was like angry i was pissed i was disappointed i made a lot of phone calls bro to the ceo's daughter of the company the chairman of the board's daughter because her and i are close friends um the chairman of the board is best friends of my mentor i went through every loop possible to try to make it happen still despite the decision and just some things just out of your control, man. Like I said, when, when politics and business is involved, it can have a negative impact on a major entity. You will never win. I don't give a damn how great your idea is. You will never win that fight. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not something that I was naive of, but it certainly was a real, like a life reminder. Don't get too beside yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Money trumps everything in this country, okay? <laughs> and so does political influence and clout. Right. I mean, you're just looking at the situation right now where um, just timestamp what we're doing. Joe Rogan versus uh, who is the other guy? There was a, there was a Neil guy. Diamond or Neil no, Young? Neil Young. Neil Young. Not, not Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond might have had a chance, but Neil Young. Um, said, "Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to be on the same network, uh, Spotify, as Joe Rogan. And who's who do you think they care about right now? They're not touching Joe Rogan because Joe he Rogan, brings that's why they're paying so Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars. A hundred. I mean, Joe Rogan. Dollars. Has that's got that's a bad deal. Kind of folks. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's getting pressure from a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, because he has interesting views. Sure, <laughs> he, sure. he does, whether you agree with them or not. But again, a company will, man, they will stand behind the person for as long as they can, as long as the ratings are coming in, until it gets to the point where it's like it's costing us money. Right. I'll give you an example. Bill O'Reilly with Fox News. Mm-hmm. Bill O'Reilly was getting paid, what, $80, $90 million a year, was one of their most successful anchors before the Tuckers of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had a lot of issues, a lot of complaints. And they, yeah, we'll take him off air for a couple of days. For a week, oh, Bill's on vacation over the past years. Mm -hmm. They still stuck by him because Bill was a money magnet. It wasn't until the sexual allegations came out and we're in the midst of that whole movement where companies realize we will lose millions and probably hundreds of millions of dollars from advertisers. We got to let this guy go. This is like, this is going to cost the company money potentially. Mm-hmm. And, and Joe Rogan hasn't gotten to that point yet. I will say though, Joe Rogan needs to be careful. Now that's not to say that Joe Rogan can't leave Spotify. He's made a lot of money and go and do his own thing. He certainly can. Uh, look, look what happened with um, Megyn Kelly when NBC fired her after the, the whole Santa Claus thing. Oh, boy. Remember that with Santa Claus being white, can't be black. Yeah. They fired her, paid her out of her $60 million contract. And now Megan is doing her own podcast and is doing well, but Megan isn't on TV every day anymore. Right. And so I think you got to weigh those options. So it's like, okay, yeah, I have a lot of money and I'm going to say what I want to say and I don't give a damn if they fire me or not and I will start my own thing and that's great and, you, and, and typically you will be successful with that own thing. Um, but these entities are so big, man, that they they do put you in a space that's really, really difficult to create on your own. Right. Um, and, and that's something that, that people in the public sphere have to sort of balance, if you will. Like, like how you got to thread that needle, right? Like how careful do you want to be with your language how careful do you want to be what you want to say and if you don't care then go do your own thing and and, and i think rogan has been good at getting right there at the edge and then he stops right right there at the edge because he's not stupid um now there may come a point in time where he just says i don't care anymore and i'm just going to really say everything i really think and feel beyond the edge and then Spotify will say, okay, well, now we're going to start, we're losing money. Joe, we got to let you go. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Joe will probably have a couple hundred million dollars and Joe wouldn't care because he can really go and hire a whole team, buy a whole office and do his own thing. Right. Um, and that could be a part of his strategic calculus, right? Let's just be real because Joe doesn't seem like a stupid guy. Um, but but that's just, that's that's the game you, pl- you play when you're a creator or you're a media um, entity if you're or, or individual, if you will, that that is in a space where yeah you're getting the attention because you're a, contra- a controversial figure people like controversy but the entities that are writing the big dollar checks don't want you to be so controversial to the fact where you've become an embarrassment right. joe rogan isn't there yet so that's why it's like the neil young thing is like okay i like neil young a lot of people do his music is great uh but again he's not bringing in what 50 million views i think joe rogan's getting more views than like all of the major cable news shows combined. Right. This is a guy in the digital space getting those views. So if you're Spotify, Joe Rogan's bringing you a diverse audience of people from all over the world who are going to be getting Spotify memberships now. They're going to be telling their friends to sign up on Spotify. I mean, you you think about the money that he's likely generating for, for them. So the $100 million contract for them, I'm almost certain just typically knowing how this works is a drop in the pan 
compared to probably the overall revenue he's bringing in from new subscribers and from revenue, bro, but from, from advertisers who want to advertise on Joe Rogan because they know Rogan's bringing in 50, 40 million people. So, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all a part of, of, of that, that executive mindset of who are we going to have representing our brand, even if they're controversial, we're going to stand behind them until they get to the point where they're costing us money. And he's not costing them any money. It, it, that, that's just the reality. Like, like, people may not like that, but Joe Rogan can say whatever he wants to say as long as it doesn't cost Spotify millions of dollars. So, and and, 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 and he, as long as he continues to bring in more then whatever they're potentially losing, he'll be good. So let's let's talk a little bit about controversy because Joe Rogan, obviously, he can create a controversy by blinking. Mm-hmm. Between him mm-hmm. and I would say like Elon Musk, they can change the markets of the world with a single tweet if they really wanted to. And I'm I'm, I'm making a joke, but it, there's some some realness to that. But but no, but Elon Musk, wait a minute, bro. But Elon Musk can uh, he, remember he the has. whole cryptocurrency <laughs> thing and and you had the sec literally looking into him like dude you're literally one singular individual impacting the whole market yeah we can't allow that so i mean that's how influential <laughs> elon musk is bro and that's it's it's insane amounts of power like how do you how do you live with that but that's not even a question I, the, my question <laughs> is talking about controversy and people seem to love it i mean we we go to donald trump and i know you have some experience you know in mm-hmm, that in that mm-hmm. sphere and working and having opinions about him specifically that kind of created some mm-hmm. friction. What is it about this yeah. controversy that people love, but also will get your butt in trouble? Dude, it's crazy because what I've learned in media, we like controversy to an extent when it's reaffirming some ideas that we may ha- have deep down when it's something that's a different way of thinking that we think is like, wow, this is weird and crazy, but I want to watch it because no one else is saying this. But we don't like controversy when it makes us feel disgusting about ourselves. Mm. That's when people start to say, all right, mm, I don't like this anymore. Like, this feels nasty. This feels dirty. So it's kind of weird, right? Because it's like, well, you, but this is what you want. So you, so, but you want limitations on the crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you want the crazy. You want the ridiculous. You want the unexpected, but you only want it to a certain extent. It doesn't work that way. It's like saying, I want a pet tiger living in my house. It's exotic, it's cool, it's fun, it's beautiful until the damn thing attacks you. What did you expect? Like you, you can't really set limitations to it. So it it, 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 it's, it's always, right. So it's always interesting um, how people say, oh, you know, we're so divided. The media is so bad. Oh, you know, this is so controversial. We shouldn't really have this on air, but we watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to watch Fox, MSNBC, CNN, but we do. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to put up controversial figures by subscribing to them on social media, watching their content, but we do. So it's like we say we don't want any of this stuff, and yet we are active participants in the stuff. Like, does it, like, it defies all the damn logic to me. I never understood that about human nature. It, it's, it's one of the most peculiar things in the world when you, when you think about it. It's like, we're very quick to say, yeah, this is bad, and we know it's bad, and we know we shouldn't be doing it, and we know that it's really bringing down our culture, our society, whatever the hell the case may be. But yet, it's cool, though. It's fun. I'm going to be a participant. You cannot have it both ways, man. I mean, you, like, you can't, you, you literally can't have it both ways. And that's that's a part of, 
to that question about the controversy and why do people love it and not love it, 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 it is a part of that weird thing with, with us as human beings of, of liking really weird, crazy, enticing things, but not wanting to feel responsible for what can come from those things. And, and, and that just has always defied my logic. Seriously, it really yeah. has. Like being in me, I, I watch it in real time and I've never understood it. Mm. Now, I know, you, I know you've had several interactions and you've been on plenty of panels in media, on stations mm -hmm. that people generally, gun guys are like, what the heck is going on? And I, I feel like you, you might even get, I don't know if you get questions about like, why do, why do you work with MSNBC? Why were you on CNN? How could you, how could you be in the same digital room as Don Lemon or Don Lemon or however people say his name? Mm -hmm. What, what is your, I guess, response to that? And how do you, how do you necessarily, how do you feel when interacting with people that are opposite to you or just very different in, the, yeah. in their position. Cause obviously we just talked about it. People like controversy, we're creating controversy, just saying crazy stuff out of our mouth and you know, like what, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, that, you know what? That never bothers me. Like I'm not, I mean, dude, I went to a black college during the era of Obama when he first got elected and I was a conservative, like it, that doesn't bother me. It, it has never bothered me being in spaces with people who think differently from me. And that just comes with a level, level of comfort of knowing who I am yeah. and being comfortable with the way I view the world and being secure enough and having an intellectual foundation in my beliefs. And when you have those things, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to a Don Lemon or Al Sharpton or, or if I'm on Fox News or if I'm on uh, OAN, which I used to do a lot of when Carson was running for president. Um, it doesn't matter. I literally feel comfortable wherever I am in whatever space and for whatever audience because my views aren't changing. Now, maybe my articulation may change, right? That's just being strategic with media and being a good communicator. Like what I may say when I used to do a lot of Fox it will be very different from how I would say it on CNN or MSNBC. I just change articulation while maintaining the same premise because the, the reality is I know my audience. Mm. And I know why one audience in one space will agree with everything I'm saying. I know another audience is going to be a, a bit temperate because they're like, mm, I don't know about this. I'm right. a little bit skeptical of him. So it's like, all right, well, how do I win those people over? Or at least how do I open the door for them to understand where I'm coming from? Even if they don't agree with it, at least they accept this is logical. This makes sense. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Uh, and, and that's a matter of knowing how to articulate in any space, no matter what, no matter where you are. And it ain't, it's not easy, dude. Like, I mean, let me tell you something. It, it is it is not easy at all, uh, but you learn how to do that well in politics because you work for a lot of different politicians and whether it was Romney, Carson, or when Carson endorsed Trump and traveling um, with the pre well, former president's campaign team. And Trump was a little different. <laughs> he was different from any politician for a lot of reasons. Trump just didn't care no matter where he was. He was just going to say whatever he felt, no matter what. But most politicians, the ones who are really calculating everything, you may go before evangelicals, then you go before your chamber of commerce business guys, and then you may go before a diverse community. And the premise of your beliefs and what you support and believe does not change. It's got to be consistent. People don't like inconsistency. Mm -hmm. But the way you articulate to each of those different groups has to be different. Because what will energize the evangelicals versus what may energize the corporate folks, the corporatists, versus what may energize your minority groups, it's, it's not going to be the same.
And, and, and anyone who's a good communicator will tell you that. And so knowing how to navigate the nuances of that from my political background um, has allowed me to navigate it in the media space for the most part, pretty well. And again, it's not an easy thing. It comes with experience, man. You know, it comes with time. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you're a good communicator, you're going to be good at it. It doesn't matter where you are. You can talk to anybody. So one thing that I, I have noticed is there, there is a certain attitude about if you're going to, especially from the, the the markets that I often speak to, just the black community and mm-hmm. people who are encouraged by firearms and, you know, people who are very what they would call like pro-black is yeah. Sometimes they feel like if you change your message or adjust it for the for the comfort of others or the comfort of white people specifically mm-hmm. that you're selling out in a sense. How do you reconcile that concept or do you, does that even phase you the idea of, oh, well, if I'm trying to make it a little bit more appealing to this audience to get my mission done, does it does it change anything in your heart? No, no, not at all. I, I, I think from my perspective, it's not, again, it's, and people don't understand this. And, and again, I've had to understand it because of my career, mm-hmm. working for people, trying to get them elected. You have to be able to connect with people. Mm-hmm. You have to. And people are different. And groups are different. And if you cannot be, if you cannot figure out a way to articulate to one group in different articulation to another group while still maintaining the same belief, you're going to have a hard time. You really, really are going to have a hard time. Or you can just be singular in your in your support. And, and some people are okay with that, right? Like some people are saying, okay, well, if I'm a politician and let's say I'm a Trumpist person and I'm big on nationalism and populism and that's my thing, some people are okay with saying that's my lane and I don't really care if I attract anyone else. Um, and some people are saying, well, yeah, I, I want this lane, but I also want to attract other people because I want a broader appeal. Uh, I think when you think about Trump, what he's, I'll give you an example. You think about Trump now telling people to take the vaccine. Who in the hell would have ever thought Trump would tell people to take the vaccine? But I know people who are very close to the former president who are working for him, and it is a part of a strategic thing that they're doing. And I won't get into all of that, but I understand the strategy here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people don't really think about those nuances as it pertains to communication. And so, yeah, when people think, well, oh, you're changing your message to only talk to black people, that's like, oh, that's bad. No, it's not. No, it is not. Because the things that are going to mobilize black people as far as interest and, and how they view those interests may be somewhat different from white people. Now, that's not to say that there aren't shared commonalities. That's a different thing. That's not to say that education, safety, defense aren't agreed upon by all groups of people, right? That's not to say that. But it is to say that how those groups of people internalize what those things mean for them is very, very different. And you really got to understand that there is a unique difference in that. And, and being able to articulate that is important, man. And 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 you see effective people like, go back to Joe Rogan, which is why I think Rogan is so effective at being a good communicator is when you look at the interviews that, that Rogan has done, what, for the past couple of years now, two, three years since he's been on Spotify, he has never limited himself with who he talks to. Right. Because Rogan understands the importance of having a broad appeal. And so whether you're black, white, whether you're into UFOs, whether you're into business, whether you're into health and science, there's literally something for everybody Mm -hmm. with Joe Rogan, man. Literally everybody. 
And Rogan's understood, and I don't know if he thinks about this, I, I'm certain he probably does, but Rogan has appeared to me as a communicator from the outside looking in and from someone who thinks a lot about marketing, he appears to me to be someone, and, and Trump is like this in many ways as well, appears to be someone who understands that, okay, I know for a fact that if I want to expand and grow, I got to figure out a way to communicate about certain things that will reach a lot of different people no matter where they are. What better way to, to do that than to bring on a lot of different people from a lot of weird backgrounds, people who you would never think mm -hmm. one guy would talk to all of those different people? Now, Rogan's position of what he believes doesn't change. But in his case, the different guests allow him to have a different form of communication that may reach different groups of people, Absolutely. if that makes any sense. No, it's, it's insane, the, the, the broad reach that he can have. Just like you said, UFOs mm -hmm. to eating right to comedians like who doesn't who doesn't like to who doesn't like a comedian dude, to, to dude it, actors there i'm telling you bro there will be harvard courses taught on joe rogan's ability to communicate so effectively and his ability to market because again like what i was saying earlier about politicians how you would maybe go from evangelicals to business folks to like different groups of voters and while your overall beliefs don't change. How you articulate them may change for different reasons because you're trying to speak to those individual groups' specific interests. Joe does the same thing, but differently. He's speaking to specific groups' interests through the guest, right? So his beliefs and what he feels about various things are maintaining, and sometimes you see them evolve, evolve in real time, but he doesn't have to necessarily articulate a different language the different guests are doing that for him. Yeah. That's really freaking interesting, man. Like, like from, from uh, an academic perspective, studying marketing, studying communications, and trying to understand like how to be more effective and better at doing it. Dude, he is one of the best in, in that space at doing it, just as Trump, regardless of the politics, that's dismissed the politics, was crazy effective at being a darn good marketer and communicator, man. Like, I don't care what anybody says, the guy is brilliant at it. And, and when you understand the academic pedigree of, of what it takes to be that effective, like this guy's brilliant. Like he's freaking brilliant. And you can't take that away. You cannot, no one can ever take that away. No matter what people say about Joe, no matter what people say about Trump, mm -hmm. those guys are brilliant at the craft. You know, I was, I was just talking to my mother-in-law about the, uh, the Kofifi incident. And it's like, man, the world wanted to know what Kofifi meant. And I was like, did he mean COVID? No, that was that was way before. He had no idea. Okay, so you, you brought him up, Trump. You've been very critical of him in the past, even to your, oh, yeah, to, yeah. To your detriment, oh, yeah. maybe. Uh, depends on how you look at life. How would you say working in the same spheres as him and even in, in, in a way working for him in, in, in a way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you feel that you maintained your values? What are your values, first of all? And how did you maintain it working in his space? Well, I mean, look, I mean, like any person, I have a set of standards that to me, I'm, I don't care who I'm working for. I'm not going to let those standards be diminished. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a part of my issue with the former president. I was like, okay, yeah, I like some of the ideas, I like some of the policies, but I think there's a decorum that comes with being president of the United States. No one will ever change my mind on that. There is a decorum when you're the highest, most powerful person in, in the country. And while some people can dismiss that because, well, the, the, the policies, and, and I get it, and that's great, that should not lower your expectation for what we come to expect for the role. And for me, that's where I draw drew the line, and that's where I draw the line with any politician. You, you got to live up to that standard, man, because if not, 
then what the hell is the point of, of having any expectations about who our leaders are and how they live and how they behave? We should just say it doesn't matter. Do whatever the hell you want to do, however you want to do it. It doesn't matter as long as you're doing a good job. No, man, like we, we, we cannot become a society like that where we have no moral mm -hmm. or ethical guidelines. And that's not just with 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 the former president. That's with any politician. And, and, and you got to be consistent with that, whether it's a Democrat in office or a Republican in office. And, and, and from from my perspective, I can't be critical of disliking certain behavioral things of someone else who's ideological different from me, but but muted on someone who happens to be in the same party as me, because then I become a hypocrite mm -hmm. because it's like you're not consistent in your beliefs. A lot of right. people aren't consistent in their beliefs that I, I don't particularly care. I, I'm going to be consistent in my beliefs because at the end of the day, you have to look in the mirror at yourself. And, and some people are OK with saying, well, I'm going to be all over the place. That's not who I am yeah. at all. It has never been who I am. You know, I, I've tried to hold to this as often as I can and just saying this out loud, like, and I'm, I'd, cons I'd consider myself politically homeless, but I, I chant this like principles over party, like every day, like you, the, the gang politics of, of DC is kind of wild, but it mm -hmm, almost seemed mm -hmm. like the Republican party. And I know you, you've spoken on the, I guess the issues with the party system was so in love with winning and winning big and bigly or however they said it, that they were like, what, whatever he wants to do, we'll just do it. In fact, more people like him. Let's make this happen. And I'm not trying to be critical or anything like that, but I'm saying, I'm yeah. saying what I, what I saw. What do you know? I mean, yeah. I, I think that's true. Um, everything has a cost. Like the Bible, if you're a Christian, the Bible speaks a lot about this. Everything has a cost and will come at a price. Mm -hmm. Winning is great. I was a strategist. My whole job was helping Republicans win at every level. I was an opposition researcher. My job after being a strategist, my job was to dig up all types of dirt on Democrats to help Republicans. No one needs to tell me what it means to win. I know what it takes to win in very nasty, ugly ways that most people probably wouldn't be even comfortable with hearing and stuff that I wouldn't even want to share on this podcast. Everything comes at a cost. And people need to re realize that. And so you'll win today. You'll win for a while. But at some point, the winning will come to an end. Mm -hmm. And you better be prepared for whatever the hell that is that's at the end of that rope. Because at some point, there will be an end. And that's with everything. Nothing lasts forever, man. Nothing lasts forever. And, 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 and that's not to say that everything is always temporary, but it kind of is. It is in the natural world. It is in the sciences. Why in the hell would it be any different in politics? Yeah, absolutely. Now, talking a little bit about party politics, um, mm -hmm. I find myself somewhere in the middle where I like a lot of the things the libertarians say, but I don't call myself libertarian. You know, I, I, can, sure, I sure. can be pretty conservative, but I, I won't call myself that. Now, you once upon a time, once upon a time, excuse me, said that you're kind of tired of the the two parties politics and whatnot. Could you? Oh I yeah, dude. I, I think it's horrible. Forward. Um, let's talk. About yeah, that I, I think I think our system is, is it's horrible, dude. I, I think we are so divided, man, for just so many different reasons, bro. Whether it's for racial reasons, um, ideological reasons, even within ideological camps, there are divisions, which is crazy, right? Uh, you're not pure enough. You're not consistent enough. There's no room uh, for disparate thought. That stuff is dangerous, dude. I mean, that's how you get fascism and dictatorships. 
that that's how those things come into existence. And, and, and I think it's in part because of our two party system. And, and I've sort of wondered if maybe we need more or if maybe we just need a whole refresh of just everything. I mean, seriously, um, again, you, you think about great empires, you think about other civilizations from the past and what led to their demise. And you look and it's always internal. It's always because of internal strife. Mm -hmm. And here we are having internal strife. Now, House do I divided. think we're going to like dissipate in, in, in 500 years? I think the U.S. is going to be gone tomorrow. No. But I definitely think when you study civilizations and when they start to reach a, a breaking point, we're kind of at that point. And now the question is, what would be like Rome, where we reached that breaking point at around the 300-year point, and then they rebounded again, had some, did well, rebounded again. And that lasted for a total of 1,000 years before that was absolutely it. Mm -hmm. Will we go through that? I think we probably will before it before we reach a point where like, okay, America was a great place. That's it. Um, and, and that's hard and difficult. I understand to accept that. I get it as Americans because we're great. I think our country is an amazing place. I don't think there's been any other places like ours ever in human history. But history doesn't lie. <laughs> history teaches us a lot. And it doesn't appear that we are very good students of, of history, looking at some of the things that are going on in our country. And so that's why I've been very critical of the two-party system, because you look at what's going on on the Democratic side with progressivism, which is their, their extreme forms. If you're not progressive enough, then you're not really a Democrat. What the hell does that mean? Like, like, what, what does that mean? And if you're a, a conservative-leaning individual, but you're not far enough to the conservative side, almost reactionary, essentially, is what they would call it in political theory on the right. You're not really a conservative. You're a rhino. You're not pure enough. And to me, when you have extremes that far and wide and vast, where they don't create room nor acceptance of divergent views within their own camps, I'm telling you, man, that's really, really dangerous stuff. That, that's why, in fact, there are more Americans today that are non-affiliated voters. Literally, over the past decade, we've seen more Americans leave both political parties. That's not by happenstance, bro. Mm -hmm. That's because people who are on the left are like, this shit is crazy. I don't want to be that far left. And it's people on the right who are saying, this shit is crazy. I don't want to be that far right. People say, I, I, there's something in the middle where I want to be on the left, but more on the left towards the center. I want to be on the right, but I want to be on the right towards the center. The other stuff I don't want. But the other things are the, have the loudest voices at the moment right now. Um, but I don't think those loud voices are going to prevail. I think we're going to get to a breaking point where it's going to be a point where we realize if we continue down this direction, down this lane, then that's going to be the end of us. Or most people are going to say, you know what, we've gone too far. We need to reset ourselves. We need to rediscover our politics like we once did in this country and realize that working together is not a bad thing. Uh, having different views is not a bad thing. Critiquing each other across party line, but also internally, is not a bad thing because that's how you have intellectual growth. Mm -hmm. that, that's how you have progress and ideas, evolution of ideas, by constantly sh challenging each other. It's like the old saying, iron sharpens iron. But when you don't permit that, then you have what we see today. So that's why I've been really, really critical of the two-party system because I just think it's just been really bad for the country. No, I... I, I... 100% agree and you see things from from the inception of our country that you're like oh dang mm -hmm. you look at the history books and you're like wow that um political person literally 
beat that guy with a cane over, I, I believe it was um, slavery, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I, I got to check my history. Gun, dude, we had we had gun duels. We had members of Congress. This was mostly on the House. The Senate didn't really have these type of issues. Gun duels, <laughs> fights and brawls on the House floor. I mean, like you said, hitting, bro, it was real violent. I am thankful we haven't gone to that point, which is why I stated we haven't reached the point of no return yet. But dude, if we get to the point where members of Congress are threatening each other with guns and getting into physical altercations, then we're at rock bottom, in my view. If we get back to that right. that point, I think today it will be even worse than it was so then. I, I have then, heard, then we really hit it. I have heard certain instances of like um, AOC got mad because somebody got up in her face and like cussed her out. And I'm like, oh, dang, that's wild. Did he really do that? When I know that people yeah. in politics do lie. However, I, I think there was some admission of that guilt. And I'm like, Dang, we how far have we fallen where people are getting up in ladies' faces, no matter if you don't like her or not, if she's awful, if she's literally all these things and like cussing her out in public, like bro, you a dog for that. Yeah, why is that? To me that like to me that kind of stuff just isn't necessary, man. And that's one of the reasons why I've just come to de de despise what's become of our politics. Mm -hmm. Um I fell in love with politics because I, I loved the ability to debate differences with different people and in the midst of the debate we both know that we're trying to go in the same direction mm. like we wait we we want to use different vehicles but we know we want to go down the same road that's what i love about politics it's like man we can debate all day night and long and then say all right you know we got to figure this out right? right yeah i know we do so let's try to do that D dude we've surpassed that now that that's just not a thing Can't i mean seriously Look at look at towards look at the current situation now. Congress isn't getting anything done, and once Thank Republicans Congress. take back control of the House, which they will, will really get nothing done. And then Republicans will probably start investigating Democrats the way Democrats investigated Trump and all of his foes. And then it becomes just just this residual cycle over and over and over again. I'm tired. Are people not tired of this stuff? I mean, I mean, seriously, are people just not like do your job, man. And, and are people also not looking at themselves saying, I got to check myself. Like, what the hell is going on here? This extremism, whether you're on the left or right, we got to stop this, man, because the system was not built for this to last. It just wasn't. Yeah. It, it literally was not. Yeah. I, I think uh, people people in politics, and I know we've, we've been on it for a while, but this is this is what you do. And I'm really curious to, to kind of hear your side of things. I feel like people in, in the House and the Senate and all these different political spheres, they spend so much mm -hmm. time picking at each other and say, oh, Nancy Pelosi got her hair done. And um, yeah, that's she probably shouldn't have done it like that. But it's like, oh, and this person did this thing. And oh my gosh, he, he hates babies. And oh, she, you know, like things that we care about. But why are you spending all your time on, on the network, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, just talking smack mm -hmm. all day. Like you spend more time on TV talking about each other than actually coming together. Than doing the job. <laughs> Yo, then, then, then doing, doing the, your do, job. Do your like, job. Like, like, how, how many Gosh. members are working with their staffers or with committee staffers to write legislation themselves? None. How many members are going through the nuances of reading through the thousands of papers of legislation with their staff members to try to create the best legislation for the country? Almost none. Almost none, because that, that that's just not that's not the interest anymore in politics, man. We were, you know, 100 years ago, we had politicians who were literally in part 
writing a lot of the stuff that was becoming law themselves. We, we've gotten lazy. We don't do that anymore because, like you said, we want to see people talk about Pelosi getting their hair done. And then on the other side, they, we want to hear people talking about Lindsey Graham was bashing Trump. Now he's his best friend now. <laughs> what, like, that's what people want. Ooh. I could give two. I, could, I can't say what I want to say, but I could care less about that. Let me say it that way. I want to know how are you guys working together to move the country forward? We know Democrats, typically liberals, are very big in their ideas about moving things forward. We know conservatives traditionally have been, we know that it is an innate part of human nature to want to always progress and move forward. It's in us. We have to look at history. It tells us that. But the conservatives have always been the ones to say, my democratic friends, let's be mindful of certain things as we progress. Let's be a, little, a bit more methodical. Let's have constraints, right? Because if we don't have constraints, we don't know where we may go. If there aren't a certain expectation and rules and limitations right. and standards. Boundaries on the river. That was the conservative side yeah. to the democratic side. And, and But in the midst of those two things, we were in the past for the most part. And again, we had moments like we discussed where, where members were violent. But for the most part, we've had, for the most part in the country's history, we've been able to balance it out. We've been able to balance Democrats, big ideas, because they usually have big ideas about the future and the problems of today with conservatives' constraints on the big ideas. Mm. And in those two things is where you find pragmatism, which is really at the heart of what most of what America truly is, is a pragmatic society as we move forward and, and towards progress. And we don't have that anymore. No. We, we really don't have that anymore at all. And, and, and that's really sad, man. It's, it's really, really depressing um, that you can't have political opposites anymore recognize their own individual constraints about the other side and about their own side and to be able to say and acknowledge, OK, how do we move forward uh, dis despite what our innate ideological underpinnings may teach us because of how we view the world, right? Because that's essentially what your ideology is. It's your values and belief systems. Yeah. And it is how, with all of those complexities, do we still come together despite how desperate we are uh, to say, okay, this is where we are. We know this is what you guys want. This is why we're a bit concerned about this, how to move forward. Uh, I think it was Michael Oakeshott, uh, the political philosopher and theorist, conservative, libertarian leaning, um, who essentially argued in, I can't remember which one of his writings it was, I read so much stuff, but he argued that um, to be a conservative is to prefer the known to the unknown, right? The imperfect to the perfect. Mm. Uh, and, and, and he was drawing a, the similarities essentially between conservatives contextually to our liberal friends who don't mind the unknown. Because again, that, go, that goes to their natural idea of big and you got to go big and you got to be expansive to better things versus a conservative saying we get big we, we actually do get it we understand why you want to get big we're just saying that there is a comfortability in what's known and we also understand that as we move forward and as we're thinking about the big what if going too big causes all sorts of problems right so, so we've always been like the roadblock seriously it really is that yin and yang and that's why I've always had an appreciation for uh, liberalism as a theory, as an ideology, as a belief system, as I naturally have as conservatism, because I've always realized the two are like symbiotic partners, if you will. Mm -hmm. You cannot have one without the other, bro. 
But we don't view things that way anymore. And I think that's kind of why we're in the mess that we currently are in as a country. And I think it's also why we're just so divided because we don't have that, that, that perspective that we used to have as a country. Mm. Man, I think about my wife and I know you're, you're in a dating relationship if I'm not if I'm. Mm-hmm. And even, even, even at that level where- you My girlfriend's in the living room. <laughs> there you go. We'll <laughs> tell her we said hi, the whole audience. Um, but I think about like, man, like there are so many things, like we're having a baby soon and it's like, man, I, so many things we disagree on or um, we need to like have checks and balances. Like, okay, I want to buy all these things mm-hmm. for the new baby. I'm like, I think we should buy plenty of things for the baby, but we don't need three of these. We just need two. And so, 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 so we're going that's in the a same perfect direction. analogy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect analogy to what I was saying about the politics. I don't think you could have been, I don't think I could have described it in a more reductionist approach in a layman's way for everybody to get it. That's a perfect example. And, and, and that's where liberalism and conservatism have always balanced themselves out. Um, that balance is gone, man. Yeah. It, it is. The balance is gone. Um, right now, we're in the moment of extremism. Yeah. And, and 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 this is not relegated. Like I know people like to in the media, they do this often, and I hate this. They always try to say, "Oh, it's only the conservative side that's it." No, that's not true. That is not true at all. <laughs> let's 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 not be naive about this. We need to be we need to be honest. If we're going to be spectators of politics, we need to be honest. And, and honesty means you you have to have a fair assessment of the entire board. Not half of the board, right. and and if we do have that fair assessment of the entire board, then then it's very clear that the problems are rooted on both sides. Absolutely, no, I I think, and I'm not trying to do it both sides, right? Because people are like, oh, well, you're doing it both sides. No, 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 no. I think there can be truth. different problems. There right. can be different problems, but there's still problems. Yeah, right, right. Like one problem may be rooted in a certain thing, and the other problem may be rooted in a whole different thing. But the extremism is still there, Absolutely. if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And like what she said with the, you know, with the what about is both sides thing. At the, at the end of the day, you have to check yourself. I put out a tweet mm-hmm. the other day that said like, hey, you know, us as black people, we care about the criminal justice system. Uh, we should definitely make sure we're not skipping our opportunities to be on our do our jury duty. And I said it in more or less in that same way. People got upset. People say, hey, you know, other other ethnic groups do it the way they want to do it. I'm like, well, we don't have the, I don't, I don't have time to think about other people. I'm thinking about us. We need to do mm-hmm. these things for us. And if there's issues, mm-hmm. after, if there are issues after we do what we have to do for us, we can address those issues. But make sure you show up. Make sure you address the issue. So obviously that's yeah. slightly different, but I, I think there are some, some value, valuable nuggets in, in even just thinking about that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I I think you're right. And I think introspection is really, really important. And when you think about society, people are always blaming this is happening because of this guy in the case of Trump, Mm. or this is happening only because of Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi. Just trying to be fair here, right? I I believe in equity, so I'm going to be fair in my criticism. Equal lefts and equal rights. But... But 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 how often are people asking themselves, well, what am I doing to be a part of the solution? Mm-hmm. Seriously, what am I what what am I doing? The hardest form of reflection, bro, is self-reflection. Why? Because self-reflection requires you to admit your own faults. It requires you to admit and acknowledge your own flaws. We don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Why? Because human beings like comfortability. We like to be comfortable. And to be comfortable means it's easier to look outwardly at everything else and talk about what's wrong with this person, that person, this system, than it would be to ask myself, well, what in the hell am I doing since I am in this system to make it better? Mm. Not enough of us are doing that. Not enough. Because that's hard work. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and who wants to be self-critical? Most people don't. No, they they, they really don't. Um, Obviously, there are some, and I really hope that people who are listening people under the sound of your voice would say, hey, these are some things that I can do today, this week. Yeah, I ask myself year. that, dude. Yeah. I ask myself that. I ask myself, am I doing enough? Am I, could I be articulating conservative positions on certain things better? Mm-hmm. Uh, could I be doing a better job on the conservative side of saying, hey guys, we, we need to think about things before we have certain people saying them or certain policies could, could be better written or there are certain things, variables that we probably should also take into consideration as we're thinking about certain types of, like, like, like I ask myself that often, what can I be doing better? Think about for guns out. What can we be doing better to improve our knowledge in the gun space? What can we do better to improve our content? What can we do better to partner with other people in the space? That's gonna be a big thing for us this year, uh, trying to work with as many people as possible. So, so I am always willing to be critical of myself and ask, what can I do better? And sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a human being. Sometimes I'm like, hell with that, I don't wanna do that. I shouldn't have to do that, or, or I'm not interested in do-. But then I have to tell myself, no, you need to check yourself. No, yes, you do need to do that. Yeah, you do need to do this a little differently. Yes, you should be more considerate of whatever X, Y, and Z things. More people need to do that, man. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. More people really, really need to do that. The, the world is a dangerous place, man. Yeah. Um, and, and right now, this is the most peaceful time in human history. Ever. Ever. Mm. You think about the Ottomans, the Byzantines, the Greeks, yeah. the Romans. There have always been conflicts. You think about the different periods, right, from medieval time, medieval stages and all the other different periods. We have always, the world for the most part has always been in the midst of violence and war. Mm-hmm. This is literally the most peaceful time we've been in. Yeah, I mean, shoot. The, Ever. Why not, why not in this moment? Well, right, right, but why not? That's another good example. Why not in this moment relish in it and try to reach the absolute maximums, uh, maximum rather of our human potential and excellence? Because this moment is not going to last forever. Right. So, so, so why not realize that and, and do that in this moment so when we do go back to hell in a handbasket, we can at least say, man, look at the heights that we've been able to ascertain and hopefully we can maintain them in, in the rough spots. So in a sense, calling this our renaissance period instead of looking forward to some time where we have universal basic income, which can be a renaissance period because everybody can just stay home and do art. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, look, I, I always think big, man, about ideas, and I'm always open to just so many different ideas because I've never uh, been so dogmatic in my own beliefs where I've always believed I had all the right answers. That's just like, I, I've never been that kind of a person. I'm always like, well, hey, if you if you have a different approach or you th- or, or if you're thinking about this differently, tell me. Maybe I am going about this wrong. Maybe there are some things that I'm just not considering. Um, but but we need people 
to be to have big ideas, man, because that, that's yeah. what made America. Yeah. Hey, think about it. Despite the, the slavery and all of those imperfections, what made this country in the offset was because guys had big ideas. Right. If they didn't have big ideas, we would still be a part of Great Britain. I think of, and we'd have British accents. I think of the the concept of um, even when you look at uh, um, Latin America and you see all these different the the diaspora of the Hispanic culture. Yeah, there and he's like, dang, people. Mm-hmm. And obviously in the states here as well and other places, people literally got on boats, many of them willingly, came here and said, let's mm-hmm. let's leave everything. Basically, we're gonna die in a new land. And obviously there are some mm-hmm. issues and, you know, people will talk about the, the, the colonization and stuff, but just concept this, getting on a boat, packing up your family and say, let's go do something different. We're going to leave the country. Right. <laughs> what? Who's, do, who's doing right. that? That's not, that's not. That's what I'm saying. Big, big ideas formed America. Yeah. Why should we now all of a sudden limit ourselves to our thought process? I mean, creating it. That's what we're doing. Because again, we become too dogmatic with, with this is the only way, this is the only right way because I'm right and you're wrong. No, absolutely. And that it's, it's ridiculous. And it, it, it tires, no, dude, it tires think, me. Think about, think, think about Pennsylvania and the Continental Congress when they were writing um, uh, Bill of Rights and, and Articles of Federation and all those things. Dude, they disagreed like hell, but they all had big ideas about what was possible it was like there's an old quote that only those who believe the impossible can make the impossible commonplace. Mm. We don't think about what's impossible much anymore. I mean, inventors do, <laughs> right? Because that's that's part of being a good inventor. Um, but in the political space, we don't anymore. We don't think big. That's not good, man. Yeah. That is not good. That, that, that that's not good. We we don't think big, and we don't challenge ourselves internally in our own camps. And we don't challenge ourselves the right way across camps. So in my in my hence mind, tribalism, right? yeah, hence tribalism, hence hyperpartisanship. I I agree with that, and I think that is something speci- specifically for um, black and minority communities or people who are just struggling mm-hmm. overall. It's like, man, mm-hmm. what did you see growing up that allowed you to believe that the impossible could happen? For me, my dad owned a business, he had a, a GED school, and also he ended up getting mm-hmm. a PhD as I kind of went into adulthood. And now I'm like, everything's nice. possible. Maybe I don't want a PhD, but I know it's possible for a black man who yeah, had yeah. A, you know, third grade reading level in high school to get a PhD. Like it's, it's possible, anything, whatever you want to do. No, no, uh, no, for me, uh, it, it was a combination of things. My grandparents, parents, my grandmother has a PhD, uncle was a retired psychologist, grandfather, serial entrepreneur, uh, my mom has had a lot of different corporate jobs. Uh, and so for me, it was just always education and always think big. And the sky's the limit. No matter how crazy other people may think your idea is, you dictate whether or not it becomes a reality. And so for me, I grew up just being raised with the idea that nothing is is off limit. Yeah. Nothing. Literally. I mean, No matter how crazy the idea and dream may be, Nothing is off limits. And, and I think if if more people, particularly people in our community, and, and there are a lot of different reasons for the why, but if if more people maybe waited a little longer to have kids and, and were able to instill those things into those kids uh, or had the knowledge to instill those things in, into those kids, man, there are just so many talented young brothers and sisters out there who could be doing some impeccable things. Yeah. 
if if they really believed that the sky is the limit, and, it, and it's such a cliche, like we said, oh, the sky's the limit. It's a cliche to say that, yeah. but it really is, bro. It really, really is. You only limit yourself. Now, that's not to say that society doesn't sometimes make it difficult. Let's be real about that. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that 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 in some regards, those roadblocks don't exist. They do. But man, to be able to climb the hell over them, or bulldoze through them, or hell, dig under if you have to. And to look back and say, wow, I did this, man, talk about the gratification that's going to give you. So think about this. Uh, Jeff Bezos wasn't a millionaire, billionaire uh, when he was born. He, I don't think he was born mm-hmm. to some extravagant wealth. Uh, not, not to my No, knowledge. he wasn't. However, mm-hmm. he overcame all those roadblocks and became something uh, of an icon. Now for him, he's literally traveling into space with his Amazon money. <laughs> I know, the sky crazy, is dude. the limit if the sky is not the limit crazy. Then, then what is and I'm not saying like oh no, it's crazy. and, and, and that's not that. to say that everyone's going to be a, a no. Zuckerberg or a Musk or Bezos of the it, world it can't happen like but that, it is but. to say that you have potential to grow and fly and expand expand your wings man and, and I always try to tell like young especially young black guys this um, who find themselves getting into a lot of trouble I always say man you have to know your worth mm-hmm. you have to know your value because if you don't know your worth and your value then nobody else is going to give it to you yeah i mean who 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 should whose job is it to, mm-hmm. to assess your value mm-hmm. and live that for you now i do mm-hmm. i do want to talk about valuable things in regards to you then we'll wrap up now you worked with sure, dr sure. ben carson that's an iconic move yeah insane like guys listen listen this man literally worked for dr ben carson as he's running for president of the united states under a major political party what mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> that's just, cool. i mean that's maybe, maybe for you but for somebody like me that's like wow this man really did something <laughs> he really did something and, i mean it, it's cool it's cool you know what it's so funny bro because i've worked for gingrich romney when he was a nominee mm-hmm. carson clearly the trump uh, administration um, done a lot of TV stuff, did a lot of consulting with a lot of really wealthy people, including some that are very well known. And to me, I'm just like, I'm having fun, dude. Mm. I'm living life. I'm enjoying myself. And, you know, people are like, oh, you're making a lot of money. That's why you love it. Yeah, the money comes, I suppose, when you're loving what you're, what you're doing and also when you're in the right field. Um, but for me, it's just about having fun. Like life... You know, you read a lot of books from a lot of great writers, and they always talk about just how challenging and difficult life can be. Um, and so when I think about that, I just want to make sure I enjoy everything. Mm. Seriously. And then so when I think about Dr. Carson, you brought him up. And you know, I know people have opinions about Doc, and Doc can be controversial in his own unique way. Sure. Um, but he's a really good guy. A really good guy, a really brilliant guy, and doesn't always articulate things in the most masterful way as probably I would like being a political advisor, if you will. Sure. But no candidate always gets it right 100% of the time, unless you're like Bill Clinton, Obama, or Ronald Reagan, sure. <laughs> or John F. Kennedy, right, right, who are like right. the masters of communicating, um, but, or Abraham Lincoln. But even they had their issues. Like, let's let's really think they, about they, that. They did, they did. Right. But, but we consider them to be like premier of communicators in the political space. Right. Um, but no, Carson, dude, is just a good guy, good family guy, um, a lot of fun to work with and for. And I always tell people this one thing about Doc, 
Doc is a uh, is a guy who reads everything, mm. like profusely. He's a profuse reader. And I remember we were, I don't know where in the hell we were. We were somewhere, dude. And this was when he had already dropped out of the race. And we're in a car with some guys and some type of bird flew by, something crazy. And Doc was like, yeah, that's a um, so-and-so bird. And it's he started getting into like the history of them, looking at him like, what in the hell? How would you even know? It's some random stuff, dude. And when we got out of the car, the guy was like, oh, why does he even know that? I was like, dude, he just knows a lot about a lot of random things because he reads so much. So, so that's one thing I really loved about him. We could go anywhere and just see something that you just wouldn't typically think about. And Doc would go into the history of it. And I would just and I would listen and he'd say, yeah, I read this in so-and-so book. You should check it out. Uh, and, and so that was really fun. I always love being around people who just who just retain information are always looking for new information regardless of what the medium is right yeah. whether it's about history and the natural sciences or the politics or engineering he was just that guy give it to me all and i really really appreciated and value that a lot about him when i worked with him more closely i mean i don't work with him much anymore still have lines of communication with him of course because i worked with him for so long um but but just a fun guy uh, overall to, to work with i mean and a lot of times believe it or not we wouldn't even talk about politics a lot of the times after he got out of the race. I mean, because at that point he was focusing on business. And so we were uh, talking a lot about business things, a lot about culture, um, just stuff that you just wouldn't think he would probably be interested in, mm. believe it or not. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. And I, I thank you so much for sharing that because there's obviously no one here is you to have experienced that and to really kind of know what it's like to work with uh, basically a major player and, in the in the uh the the, yeah. the the race and really to, i mean doc 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 took doc took very good care of me when i worked for him yeah um during the campaign after the campaign i became his communication director he went into hud i became deputy chief of staff while i was there um and even before he um, endorsed trump when he was doing his business thing his business thing appointed uh, me to sort of help run it, paid me very, very well. I mean, like ridiculously well. Um, he took good care of me, man. So that's why when people, you know, have their comments about him politically, I would say, look, you're not going to like it, what everybody thinks about politics, and that's yeah. fine. But but as it pertains to him as a person, I can attest to the guy did really well by me. And I know other people that Doc did well with and, and by, and me and Doc didn't always agree on everything. And he still did well by me. And, and, and I just think that's important to put that kind of stuff out there because right. again, we, we allow the politics to, um, to form what we think and how we view an individual. And it's seldom that we get some of those personal anecdotes. And I just think it's important to sometimes put that stuff out there. You know, I, I think what you're saying is correct. And I'll, I'll just say this, I'm not some big Dr. Carson fanboy. However, I do recognize his mm -hmm. accomplishments and what it takes to get to the 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 levels mm -hmm. that he's been to you don't get that you don't get there by being regular you have to be something special and extraordinary no. now that being said mm -hmm. um I, I do think a lot of his uh critics or people who generally be, would be listening to what we're we're talking about today probably don't remember why they don't like him politically and i'm not trying to say that they're not you know up to date on the stuff but think about it like there's a lot of people that most people don't like politically like say um Trump, they'll say Trump is racist, but they can't quite remember the racist thing that he did. And I'm not trying to say that he's not or that he is, but I'm saying that people parrot and repeat. So I'm going to challenge anybody listening today. 
don't just do that. Figure out why something, if you, if you hate something, figure out why you hate it so you can articulate that. Cause yeah. And, and if you've done that, then, Hey, I respect it. Right. Right. If you've done that thought process and you've gone through the rig- rigmarole of formulating your own ideas about a person based on your research. Okay. I respect it. Don't may not agree, but I respect it. Um, but but I agree with you. At least do that. And that's not what Carson. That that's just across the board, right. man. Don't take. Don't even take what the hell I'm saying at face value. You shouldn't take what anybody's saying at face value. Mm. Um, maybe you can use it as a starting point to to go into your own investigations, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So last question, and then we'll call it a night. I know we we, we went a little long. Sure, sure, bro. When you running for president, bro? Dude, never. <laughs> I, I I that was a dream. Um, but I, I have seen enough of politics, the good and a whole lot of the bad, where I, I just wouldn't have the patience, man. Um, you have to be a really arrogant person to be in politics and do it well. Mm. Seriously. You, I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. You have to. You have to be pretty self-absorbed to think that you are the best person to do a certain thing than anybody else in the whole country. Right. That doesn't really bode too well for me because if I was president, I would want to probably work with everybody. I try my best to. I would also understand that like I have a set of beliefs that I'm not going to dismiss and that would probably anger some people, but I would be open to trying to figure out ways to accomplish certain things despite those differences. Um, I probably also, if I appointed people, I wouldn't probably only appoint people who think like me. Seriously. I would probably also want people who think a little different, who also represent another side of the country. Because mm-hmm. I recognize that when you're president, yeah, you were elected because of a certain belief by the majority, but there's also a minority that's a large minority that you also have to lead. Yeah. And that's not easy. And that, that is challenging. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't ever run for, for president, man. Um, I used to think about that and running for office, generally speaking, but I have seen enough of it because I've gotten enough of those guys elected. I've dug up enough opposition research to know. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I just can't be that person. Yeah. No, but, that's... you know, kudos to the people who, who decide to go down that path. We, we, we need them. Uh, and, and we probably need better political leaders um, maybe that's probably why I've just sort of stepped back from even thinking about that. Uh, and maybe, you know, that were to change in the future, maybe I would reconsider it, but on our current path, no way, Yeah, I think no that's... way, because I would feel like I couldn't get anything done. And I, and I don't like being in a space where I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I, I think that's, like, it's like, what's that's the point sad. of being here? That, that's sad that somebody who I think would just with, with your mindset, you're thinking the right way, in my opinion, wouldn't want to have anything to do with it because it's so toxic to, to borrow the language of the kids. That's, that's sad. <laughs> it is though. It is though, for real. I mean, I'm like 31 years old, barely. And I could probably have a pretty interesting political career if I were to go down that path. But dude, it's like, okay, you get elected to the house, you become one of all of those members 430 435 what like what 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 am i doing nah. if i'm not carrying a certain line that is expected of me because you're just a vote at that point you're literally just a vote i wouldn't want to do that yeah 
And and if and if you do try to do things a little differently, then you're being ostracized. Right. You have to be controversial, and then how controversial can you be without actually holding? No, eyes? politics. Politics is serious business mm. because you're you're doing something that impacts people's lives. Yeah, it's not a game to me. That's 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 not a joke to me. That's not that's not a damn campaign slogan. That's not some stupid banner on some stupid cable news show. It's not some dumb headline in a newspaper article. That's serious business, man. And it requires serious people who actually give a damn about the job. Seriously. Not scoring stupid political points because it makes them look good with their base, regardless of what side you're on. That is the way politics is supposed to be interpreted by those who are elected to do the job. But that's not the case. Why? Because the political leaders are a reflection of the people. And our expectations of what we demand for ourselves have clearly <laughs> hit rock bottom. Yeah, fallen off. Wow, Shamichael, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really- No, bro, that. thank you, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, this I have- a really wide ranging conversation, bro. I, I we talked fun. about all kind of stuff. Yeah, shoot, oh, that's, um, that's, that's, that's the hope and the dream that people who come on can get a little perspective about everything. You know, the uh, when I first got started, the slogan was like cooking up perspective. And I, I had this dream of, you know, just whipping it up and sharing out just thoughts and ideas that maybe people didn't expect just to expand them and help to just nourish them a Dude, little more. And uh, keep doing your thing, man. Keep having those conversations and bring on as many people as you can from within the community to a community that is and from without. Yeah. Have those conversations about a plethora of things because Bro, you never know how how wide and varied your own audience could become. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Joe Rogan had to start somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe in a few years we'll be flying spaceships. You know, <laughs> I hope because I love space. That's one of the reasons I like Joe Rogan so much. Because I'm like weirdly into to, to space for a lot of different <laughs> reasons. So. Hey, I'm all for the flying hey, cars, bro. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and sign it out, man. Well, where can people find you and enjoy everything that you're doing? Yeah, well, first, I mean, guys, please check out GunsOutTV.com. Go to our website. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, GunsOutTV. Follow us and subscribe on YouTube, GunsOutTV, and check out all of our new videos and content. Uh, go to Warrior Poet Society Network. It's it's Watch wpsn.com you can use the code guns out 10 for a 10 percent discount off of your uh, subscription to follow our season on there and to follow me individually instagram facebook twitter uh sure michael underscore on instagram and twitter and just sure michael singleton on facebook well there you go hopefully everybody got that down. check me out you know give him give him a follow he's a cool guy i appreciate what he's doing and i think uh i think you'll appreciate it too but until Next time. Yeah, and hey, we won't always agree. I'm letting you know that now. Absolutely. But we'll have conversations about why we disagree, and hopefully we can find middle ground. That's always been an important thing for me. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, just balancing perspective, figuring out where we agree, and, uh, you know, being respectful at the end of the day. But mm -hmm. everyone, until next time, keep it costly.